discuss today a topic that uh, already has us all kind of uh, a little bit worked up today and the subject is pragmatism pragmatism you shouldn't use language like that on this podcast what pragmatism yeah you don't like the word not a big fan of it yeah so we're already seeing a little bit of the uh the issue this is probably the the one we're, we're going to most disagree on would you say if we're making predictions yes i think it's going to come down to definitions yep this may bleed into a part two at some point. Yeah. Maybe even the next podcast. I think that you're going to make it like part two, three, four, five, six, and every podcast you're going to be like, he no, is, that's pragmatic. He is the bulldog, which implies not letting go. So, so do you think this conversation will work better as like a multi-part conversation? All no. of Steve's conversations are multi-part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, it just seems like it would, you know, so if he's saying it's going to work better, it would be more effective with a good result and outcome. <laughs> so you, you know, should do one or two. But let's return to the definition. Speaking, okay, I'll give you a, one or two. I'll give you a definition of pragmatism. Pragmatism, right. man's wisdom. Man's wisdom. Okay. Do you think that man's wisdom never factors in to serving God? Now we're going to come down to definitions again. So this is like the question you asked me yesterday with the word exclusively in it. Words mm-hmm. mean things, right? So the word never, you put the word never in there, I'm not going right. to answer yes. Right, right. So, okay, so let's <laughs> say that if, if I were to take what you just said and rephrase it, that I might say that Tom thinks that we should never put any thought or, or, or um, creativity into our ministries. And therefore, it's all, you know, just, just go study, study it, read a book, study the Bible. You're, you're starting it from the negative side of yeah, things. I am. I don't assert a negative, I assert a positive. The positive uh, is that we're supposed to be focused on obedience. All right, so let's let's give the two ditches. Can we do that? We can try. We can try now that we've now that I've got Tom riled up. I can tell. I can feel the gaze over here, man. He, he is like, you guys can't see this, but when his chair turns and he squares up with me, I just fold my arms into a de- defensive posture and wait for the impact. Um, I love you. I know. I know. Do you like me though? That's the sometimes. I, I just preached against that. I'm like, oh, not you know, this episode. Yeah, not this episode, right? All right. So ditch number one, we want to give like word pictures, I guess. And ditch number one would be. You know, we're so pragmatic that we'll use anything, quote unquote, to reach people with the gospel. We'll have a we'll have a Christian bar. You know, we'll, we'll Christian rap is a big, uh, big discussion point with some people like, you know, is that can we incorporate that style of music? Um, and and we use literally worldly elements to try to draw people to Jesus. When in reality, we know that if we lift up Christ, he will draw all men. Okay, so that's what the Bible says. The other ditch on the other side of the road is this paranoia, uh, never willing to be creative or adapt, never willing to, you know, think outside the box. And I use that word, uh, you know, respectfully, you know, inside the book, but outside the box, if you will. Um, I don't know where that came from. But uh, we, you know, we, we kind of are afraid of, of ideas and, and promotions. Yeah. All right, so. And I, I would say that that ditch also looks like failure is expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in other hey, words, what do you mean by that, though? In other words, we're not growing. It becomes a we're not doing prophecy. anything. It's an yeah, we're not doing anything because us four no more. Yeah, us four no more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would see that if you if you grow, it's because you compromise. Yeah, and I, and I would see right, that yeah. on the mission field a lot. The churches that grew were eyed with suspicion, and the churches that were small were very often looked upon as being doing things right. Because really? sure. if you do things right. Sure. Then sure. you know 
the world doesn't like that, so you're not going to get visitors, they're not going to stay, they're not going to get saved and grow because the world doesn't like it. I'm and so, such a complex after this. Like, is that the way that people look at our church? No, 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 no. I, I don't. Oh, I'm sure, yes. Some, well, yeah, yes, sure some probably some? do. Probably yeah, some do. Sadly, sure, I mean, it's, yeah. I haven't been in Evansville in 20 years, but I'm sure that there's churches around here that look at you and say... You know, the reason that Russ's church is growing is because he's compromised. Look, well, and at, the now color, that, look right, at the colored lights on his platform. Guy and now with, with, the, with the internet, it's not just churches around here. The churches oh, yeah, around right. here, I think, actually, we're, we all get along pretty well together mm-hmm. with the pastors and whatnot. Okay. It's, it's, it's just in general. The ones right? that talk to you. The ones that talk to me? What do you mean? Well, it may be that the one, you know, there may be some that don't voice what they're thinking. And, sure. you know. So, but no, you're I think, trying to give me a complex. Thank you. Okay, well, you, I have, see how it is. you have the purple. You have, <laughs> you have the purple lights in the background. You know that that's not true, right? You know they're not purple. That just looks that way online. I tweeted about that once. You know they're blue. They're blue. Well, can I give some definitions? <laughs> my wife's wanting to add some light in the background. Our I, I think it's very tasteful. Um, but that's I'm my sta- opinion. I'm standing. I like it. But but we put them up there because it. it looks pretty, which apparently is pragmatic. Go ahead. Okay, so um, the Merriam-Webster, you know, I, I would prefer the Oxford English Dictionary, but... <laughs> but um, you're lowering yourself to our level. <laughs> when in Rome. Which is pragmatic, actually. Uh-huh. Case in point. <laughs> right. um, so the first definition is a practical approach to problems and affairs. And I think when you talk about it in, in that way, it's, it's a neutral thing. And, and I would argue that everyone takes a practical approach to some degree or another. But then there's a second definition then, a second line, um, and it says it was an American movement in philosophy. Uh, it was marked by the doctrines that the meaning of conceptions is to be sought in their practical bearings, and it goes on. But essentially, the, the, the philosophical side, as I understand it, was basically, if it works, do it. And, and I think that's in our conversation that may be where we need to kind of nail down things. Those so two, those two definitions, we the, talk about it from that yeah, so perspective? The, the, well, the negative understanding is, well, you know, you do what you do because you're only interested in outcomes. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone on the other side might say, well, actually, no, I'm doing what I'm doing within the confines of what is right. But also, I, I also want to do what works. Well, is that the same thing then as the ends justifies the means? No, not, not exactly. That's not not exactly. exactly. Well, well, that's great, though. That gives us a little structure for our conversation, I think. So if we're looking at pragmatism as practical ministry, there will be times where it's acceptable, correct? If we're looking at it as if it works, do it, that's, that's a bad premise. Uh, again, w- within that, you know, the, the attack on pragmatism, pragmatism is that it's not simply, it's not true simply because it works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think we, these definitions, like you said, give us some framework. Mm-hmm. To go back to what you said, Radio right. Russ, the people that defend pragmatism, mm-hmm. from, um, from my point of view often, I view their approach as being, I'm starting with the end in mind and I'm going to do whatever <laughs> I have to do to accomplish that. Okay. But they defend it by saying, we're just being practical, we're just improving. Right. They're taking two different senses. They're, they're, they're hiding the real intent this right. is an opinion. Obviously, I can't see a man's heart. All I can ju- I, I can justify. I can judge him based on his fruit. But they're hiding their the, the dangerous philosophy, and cloaking it in. Well, we're just improving. We're just growing. We're just tweaking. Mm-hmm. When really they're starting with the end in mind, which is such a dangerous position. They're starting from the standpoint of what result do I want and working backward. So okay, let's get personal then. There are things that all four of us would do differently. OK, 
okay, we all understand our, our mission is the Great Commission. We all understand that we need to see people saved, baptized, discipled, and repeat the process out of the church, right? I'm just going to use me. Okay, so if I have a, let's just use big days, promotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to have a big day. I want to I want to see visitors at church. I want to turn, I always call it like turning the light on, like letting people know that we're here. Okay, so I want to turn the light on, shine the light on, on where we're at, our new location, you know, as of the last two years, that kind of thing. So we have, uh, we have, a, we have an event, and it's on a Sunday. Um, we do one every other year called the Cowboy Carnival. We're going to do Law Enforcement Sunday. We're going to do, you know, a few things like that. And those are things that, that I think, you know, really benefit our church. I love them. Guys in, in the past, I mean, you know, they were they were having Todd Bennett come jump jump uh, buses with his motorcycle, you know, and and using that to get a crowd there, and then preaching the gospel to them. All right, so do we have a problem with that? I have a problem with your concept of the Great Commission, if okay. that's what you really mean. The mission of the church is the Great Commission. I accept sure. that, but the Great Commission is not reach the world, and that's what pragmatic people think the Great Commission says. The Great Commission doesn't tell me to reach the world. The Great Commission says go preach. Okay. The gospel right. to every creature. Where's the focus? It's on the obedience, not the results. Sure. I'm fulfilling the Great Commission when I witness, mm-hmm. when I disciple, when I preach, when I teach. Mm-hmm. I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. I don't fulfill the Great Commission by getting a result. Sure. So I'm not failing to fulfill the Great Commission if I don't have a crowd, if I don't get results. Right. I fail if I refuse to preach. That's that's actually, I agree with that. So well, I'm I, on the I same think page that you with do. you as that. But that's not the way you phrase that. You phrase that earlier, and words mean things. Mm-hmm. You phrase that earlier as saying, our responsibility is to reach people. That's not our responsibility. But if you'll reach the if, gospel. Okay. Okay, fair enough. But if, if we are ineffective because we're not using effective methodologies... Are we disobedient? Sorry, well, I would just say it comes, I mean, pragmati- the danger of pragmatism is that philosophical approach. And I was trained in Bible college that you you basically have two choices. I don't know if a third, maybe you could pick one, but of what is the baseline of your ministry philosophy? Is it soteriological or doxological? Doxa being the Greek word for glory. So is the basis of my ministry to see as many people saved as I can, or is it to bring glory to God? That's a great point. And if my basis is to see as many people saved as I can, then you're willing to compromise what's right or God's glory just because, hey, we're getting people saved. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is, Is God glorified through people being saved? Yes. So if you go to one extreme, so you go to the one ditch and you say, I'm not gonna do anything pragmatic, so people don't know where you are. They don't know what you do. They're Use not the word practical. Practical. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything practical. Yeah. You, you know, you, you don't put door hangers out because it's practical. You know, so then people don't hear the gospel. People don't get saved. It's not that people not getting saved is a, a mark of failure, but right. could it then cross over into disobedience because you're not being effective? Right. Now, I'm speaking from someone from a, you know, having come from a ministry position where we would go long periods of time without anyone being saved. Um, and so I'm not saying I've got it Talking figured about out. Talking about mission field or anyone. Yeah. When, yeah. yeah or um, you know, and, and so we're constantly looking for ways to, to reach into people's lives. Right. So, you know, our goal ought always to be to glorify God. I mean, the Westminster, so, you know, it's right. Yeah. Confession, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify I, God and enjoy forever. That. Yeah, but I would argue that having a day that promotes preaching the gospel. And I, I, I'm not challenging Tom on this because he, he actually listens really well 
So I'm not challenging him. I think what I said, what I what I implied was bringing people here to preach the gospel to them. And I probably did say reaching them. Okay. But ultimately, sometimes I hear what I want to hear. Well, no, no, you're, you're, you're right. Like I'm fine with it, but I don't think that I just, I don't think I ever disagreed with what you said. And Steve's position of, is it, you know, the church's sole job to see people saved or to glorify God? I would say it's both. Yeah. It's not one or the other. And I would say that you can do both and you can do it practically speaking by reaching out into your community. I'm using the word reach, but you're reaching out into your community with an open hand an open heart and sharing the love of Christ with people and being obedient to our heavenly calling in so doing. Right. So, so, um, you know, the other thing that I should make clear is we don't build our church off of big days. I tell our people all the time, as a matter of fact, that we'll go out and do door hangers. We'll go out and knock on doors. Um, we have, a, we had uh, two weeks ago, I wasn't here this past Saturday cause I was at an, I was doing a, another thing at an event. I was praying at an event, but, um, two Saturdays ago, we had like 35 people in our lobby. We just kind of stand, pray and go. Uh, we go over visits. We have, we have bus ministry. We have all of that. But I tell our church all the time, I said, listen, God rewards obedience. Amen. We go out and Amen. I said, it's amazing mm-hmm. how rarely Amen. it's the people we talk to at the door that come to church. Yes. But God sends other people. So we hold yeah. that philosophy. He that blesses obedience. We're going to do what God says. So if we can agree on that, that God blesses obedience, that our primary objective is to glorify him and our obedience to him mm-hmm. is part of part of that, obviously, then then we also kind of talk. And, and so I started, but but I think you guys would differ with some of the things that you would do or how you would promote. Just asking, would you not, guys not, not promote not a big day? Because well, I have a bus ministry, and sure. we'll do big days. And sure. So it's it, it's not that. It, more important than the what you do is why you do it. Okay, right. that's that's yeah. key to this conversation. Right. Very key. Yeah. I agree. And so the uh, nailing down what that why is tells uh-huh. me what your what will eventually become. Sure. Mm-hmm. And to me, the frustration of ministry in the context of pragmatism is that constant search or unrest for what works. When you should be, yeah, it's that I think guys in ministry can be very frustrated by that. And I, I go to, this is a passage to me that really helped me in the fact of Mary and Martha. And many times we... I think we piously say, well, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, so we need to find the feet of Jesus. But there's two words to me in this passage in Luke 10, verse 41. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. That word many, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I think ministry pragmatism is very frustrating because you're trying to find this idea, this idea, this idea. I'm going to go to the, you just brought up idea day. I'm going to idea day and I'm going to find this, 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 and this worked for this guy, this worked for that guy. And you can exhaust yourself and you can feel like a failure because you've tried these things that work for other guys. You've tried all these things and it's fail. And I think guys compromise because what they're doing keeps failing. So they think, well, I need to Try a newer, trendier idea. I need to be more on the edge. When I think we need to find that one needful thing. What does God want us to do in the moment and do what God wants us to do? You're exactly right. And part of the problem with that, Steve, is that people have the wrong concept of success. Sure. Success is not the, the result. Mm-hmm. Success is the obedience, biblically. But, but that, that, that's what Joshua said. Success is the obedience. So when I view obedience as the point, and if I am obedient, I am successful— 
I'm not oriented or driven or motivated by the result. Okay. Doesn't mean I don't care about the result. It just means that's God's responsibility. Mine is the obedience. But here's where I feel there's a slippery slope with that thinking. Now, there's a slippery slope on my think- thinking as well. Okay. And that is, is that, for instance, your, your illustration of Mary finding the one thing that is needful, that's a beautiful passage of scripture and illustration. What we can't do is say, well, yeah, but all you should ever do is go pray and read your Bible because Jesus went up into the mountain, pray and fellowship with his father. And then he came down and he served and he toiled and literally wearied himself. Okay. I'm so glad you brought up Jesus because what is the primary characteristic of Jesus life? When you study the life of Christ, the thing that jumps out at you more than any other thing is his obedience to his heavenly Absolutely. father. Absolutely. I'm always about all my father's these, business. Those things which please the father sure. always does. Sure. What Jesus was focused on was obedience. If Jesus was chasing results, he would have succumbed to the right. temptation of the devil. When the devil said, cast yourself off the tower, he would have it said, wasn't, oh, okay. it, it, it was, the idea was <laughs> I'm going to, fl- because the Jew, the, the Jews of, uh, of the day in, in the Talmud, it says they expected the Messiah to descend from heaven. And the devil knows that. And he says, listen, you can short circuit all the next three and a half years of your of your suffering, of your pain, of your agony, of your frustration. If you just cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and you float down into the temple during the morning or evening sacrifice, right. they will have to admit you're the Messiah. You won't have to go through everything you're going to go through. The devil offered him a pragmatic solution to get to a very effective, desirable result. But I, and but Jesus I'm not, turned it down. But I'm not arguing that we have to, that we have to change our motives and our heart. I'm arguing that the slippery slope of saying never do anything practical, creative. Now that may, that's not what you're saying, but that's that's the slippery slope of I, it. I think a false dichotomy is being painted. It sounds like you're saying, and I know this isn't true, but it sounds like you're saying, well, you, you can't be creative and practical. You know, the focus is on obedience and you don't have to think about what you're doing. And, and you're not wrong. We have, to, we have to be primary in our pursuit of Christ and his glory. Mm-hmm. But then Paul said, hey, I'll spend and be spent. I'll be all things to all men. Paul brought up sports. Why was that? I don't, I don't think Paul was, was very approving of Greek sports, by the way, because of how they operated. But that's what you know, people understood. Naked. Paul right. also said, "My speech, my preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom." Yes, he did. But he used he used things that people understood to draw them to Jesus. That's he, a whole but, different. But that's a whole me, different conversation. That's, that's not what it sounds like. Hang on. To me, it's got to come down to the fact: Does God want me to do this? I, I've done some very practical, seemingly pragmatic things right. that I believe God clearly led me to do that. And <gasps> one of the you problems. Have? What one are of they? The, one of the, Tell us now. One of the problems. Any good ideas? <laughs> yeah, one no, of the problems. I'm looking for a promotion. I'm looking for a spring program. Yeah, Can you right. share? That's what well, see, I, that's what, I, no, no, no. We fall in love with these programs. Yeah, but you can't go. You can't not go to a conference. Don't, well, let me tell you a story about two you know, preachers I heard of. Two preachers I know. Is this a parable? Yes. Okay. No, it's a true story. <laughs> but there was one of them. He kind of looked at this other guy's church and he said, the decor of that is going to put people off. You know, you, you've got to you've got to smarten it up. It's, it's got to look a certain way. Otherwise, it's going to distract from, you know, and the preacher at this church, he's, he's got a great reputation. He's a clear communicator. And these are two good friends. So is it not pragmatic to to want to have a sharp looking building that okay, doesn't distract? So, but here's the answer to that. I go back to the why is more important than the what. Right. We can right. share the same what, but what's more important is what is our, why are we doing this? If, if we're doing this to be obedient, then what we're doing is much more acceptable, I believe, 
and less dangerous right. in the All right, long term. Should we give and this is my brothers pushback. liberty then? Absolutely. Yeah. And this is my without without equivocation. Right? Okay. Can, can I point this, out a biblical example? Well, that. let Let's me keep, <laughs> we, no. Let me point out a no, biblical let example. Me, let me push back. This is my pushback. This is my point. I believe we're all practical, pragmatic, creative. Yeah. But we draw it in a different line. And my my contention and where I will will get riled up is when. It says, well, that's pragmatic when you like do it. But for me, brush. it's not. But we're all, we, we all have air conditioning. It's creative. We, we create yeah. a comfortable environment so people aren't distracted by heat and cold. Being against pragmatism is not against being against creativity. Otherwise, so, we're against God. Okay. Yeah, and so that's great. why I think the definitions are important. If it's Words mean uh, things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so there was a great man that said that. So I, I think we're all creative to a degree. We may take it to different ends. I think amongst our circle, our goal is all the same, to glorify God through obedience. Uh-huh. And, and, you and know. That's, that's where we need to take this conversation because we're going to sit and chew on this forever if we don't. Well, let me, Go ahead let and finish me, your thought. I, I want to give this thought, and that is we also, I mean, tradition comes into this in the sense that when I think of programs, when I think of pragmatism, is we get put into this this thing that we have to do this, we have to do this this way, when in reality it does come down to, and I'm not oversimplifying it because Paul said, I fear lest, you know, you be deceived by the simplicity that's in Christ. And, you know, I I look at the example in the Old Testament of military campaigns, which were of the will of God. And you think of what God did at Jericho and how awesome it was but if Israel tried to do that at other cities, it would have miserably failed. Sure. And that's the thing. That's one of my frustrations of pragmatism is that, well, that worked for Joshua at Jericho. We're going to use yeah, it. That's a good point. We're going to use that at the next city. And no, God brought a program up. He used it and then he killed that program. Yeah, I, I'm just but concerned I think, that I think that you would say what I'm doing to be creative is pragmatic when it's not sometimes. And if I turned around and said, man, that worked great for you. I'm going to go home and try it. You're against that. I'm not against that. No, no, no. I'm saying, Steve, sorry, you can't say on the podcast. I now glance over to Steve Brodnack. (laughs) (laughs) You would be against it. You would be against me saying, okay, you know, Russ, that that was a great idea. It worked well. There were good outcomes. I'm going to go back to Bedford and try the same thing. Right. Does Does it help your church to be more obedient? That's what we're. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I would say. I, I would the answer the that would be scenario that we're throwing. Do you out have there? peace from God on that, or are you only doing? Yeah, but it? that's such a. That's yeah, such that's a, very subjective. No, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think you again, guys are it's just wrong on that. <laughs> just that. Let me ask you this: Do you, and again, I look over at Steve Rudnick. Um, do you have a youth club in your church? Or youth ministries? Do you yes. play Gaga ball? Do you have, yeah, do you play, I mean, like Gaga? No, no I'm just kidding. No, I know Gaga it's different. Ball. Different, Gaga different, different. I didn't know about it until Steve played okay. it, by the way. Yeah, it's, uh, I know. So Any Baptist knows what Gaga you, ball is. Can you find... Um, <laughs> He's a Bible church man. We've already talked about this. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, that we'll have to revisit. Like yeah. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Six, six weeks in. and <laughs> When you have so, nowhere else to go, just attack his identity. Fine. That's it. All right. At home. Nothing at home. <laughs> from my old Latin <laughs> classes from back in the old, his old country. His church is an independent Baptist church. So, yes, so, so the point is. We know because yeah. found an old sign. Yeah. The point <laughs> is, go ahead. Make your point, Martin. All right. Can you find youth clubs and youth ministries in the New Testament church? Or a youth pastor in the book of Acts? No. So. I'm not sure that's the right answer. Yeah. Anyway, true. go ahead. It, I, so I much it, of this it, depends on but that's the why I mean. and yeah. the heart and the motive. So I, I think Isn't you're that right. Is why Paul hired Timothy it's, in Acts 16 to be his youth pastor? No. 
Which yeah. translation are you using yes. there? Yes. Um, no, I, I think episode. we didn't go to Maranatha, so I guess we didn't learn that. Is that what they teach in accredited schools? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Shots so, fired. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's, right, so, let's bring, yeah. bring it back here. The, Martin, your question actually, I think, clarifies, and, and we need to go to the other side of this conversation, and yeah. we'll get, we're running out of time, so that's why I'm, I'm moving us along here. But that is, two, that's a great two, thing here, is that, okay, if I, if I see something you're doing, okay, I was taught... Hey, when you go to other churches, look around, mm-hmm. see see what you might change, see what you might borrow, see what you you know, and and whether it's pragmatic or not, I'm not arguing. But I think it's responsible for a pastor to go, oh, that's that's beautiful. When I, we looked at other buildings before we did the construction on this building, we did we looked at other buildings before we bought this building, right? So there's an element of this that is just practical, but there's another element that is if it works, do it, and mm. that's what we need to talk about the dangers of pragmatic ministry as your foundation. Right. So here's the danger. Change. I I think I use this line in schizophrenic. Change becomes the air you live and breathe in. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't say walled off because the the argument that that I always get from these folks is, listen, our doctrine is still the same. We're just changing our methods. But you can't immerse yourself, marinate in an atmosphere of change without it affecting your doctrine. I agree. And we've, we've seen Andy Stanley comes to mind. Uh, and I could give you lots of other examples of of guys who first changed their methods and later their doctrine. Changed. Oh yeah, and and so when 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 and he's a whole, clear example, by the way, that was not a shot. N- no, that's no, a that's clear not, example mm-hmm. if if you believe scripture. Yeah. So it, it, the the problem is that when when your when your whole mental approach is I'm going to change everything to get a result. Yeah. And I measure everything by that result. Whatever you had walled off that you said I'm not going to touch, eventually you touch it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You're driven to it by your by your because your whole the why behind what you do is to get a result and you have to eventually go to that place you swore you wouldn't go to. Somebody needs to give an an example, a clear example of bad bad pragmatism that's being used in churches somewhere. Does anybody have a thought in mind? Like something literal. Do you understand what I mean by that? So the other side of the ditch where they, you know, they're doing something which is clearly Clearly, carnal or worldly. I think it's all over that because I don't think it's just carnal and worldly. I think it's it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of guys that their ministry is based on the fact that I got to find something that. So works. it's exclusively a heart issue and never manifest. And, and, and you're not willing. I'll, to I'll give point you an illustration, and I, th- this may just put an end to the the whole discussion because we are running out of time. But we're, Psalm we're twenty verse seven: Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Sure. So. Was it wrong for Israel to use horses and chariots? No. no. It was wrong for them to trust. But when they trusted in them, they were wrong, you know? That is yeah. a very yeah. clear statement. And I think we all agree on that. I, yeah, we yeah. all agreed on that before we started this but podcast. But sometimes there, you, you can be trusting God in your heart sincerely and using ungodly methods. Hmm. I'm convinced of that. You can be sincere and yeah. think you're, you're glorifying God. And your hand, okay, I'm convinced based on hundreds of hours of study that the, that the essential beat in rock music is demonic. And you can argue with me, I don't mean you personally, but a, a listener can argue with me about that. And it's fine if you disagree, but I've, I've really done my homework on that. So then you're using an ungodly demonic thing in, in a way that you sincerely think glorifies God. That doesn't mean it does. Right. Exactly. So your why can be right. I mean, you, you could have a good heart and be doing something. When Uzzah reached out and touched the handle of the cart, right? His, he was sincere and God I was waiting for someone for to bring up David's new cart. Uh, really? I was. Yeah. No, so yeah, I, it's, it's, 
I don't I don't think the only problem is, and I was the guy who just argued that the why is more important than the what, but the why is not the only thing here. The yeah. what also matters. Right. Yeah, I think there are absolute standards. Mm-hmm. There's then obedience on the individual level. So the absolute standards, glorify God, share the gospel, teach the word. But then how that manifests, there's going to be some variation within the absolutes. I can see so, this conversation so drifting into a conversation on spirit on you know Christian liberty. Well, but so what I'm thinking is what's you know so it, you know door hangers a case in point. They're great, but just because you know there's nothing inherently wrong with door hangers, but it doesn't mean that every church should use door hangers. Yeah, yeah I, I and think, so I think that's where the obedience element comes into it. If if God says actually no, that's not what's going to be effective for you in your area, you. You follow God's will. Does that make sense? I, th- I think the, the the danger on either side of this issue is that on one side, you end up saying, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to let the Lord yes, do it all. And, right. and what that means is not what you said. This right? is an old argument. This goes back to the 1800s and the whole means or no means. Right. Mm. Yeah. Right. That's, and, that's and an old argument. The other side of, man, let's use anything and everything. You know, all things are lawful. Well, the rest of that verse is all things are not expedient, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. some areas that we have to be careful about, even within the subject of Christian liberty. All things are lawful is in context of what is actually lawful. Correct. Not all things right. are lawful. Correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's you can drive a Mack truck you if you hermeneutically wrench that out of lawful context. <laughs> yeah, good point. It's you interesting know, you mentioned the 1800s because I've got a quote by Hudson Taylor in front of me where he says, you know, God's work done in God's way will never like God's supply. And usually it gets cuts off there. But the rest of the quote is, he is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for lack of funds and he can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards and he much prefers doing so. So, you know, a lot of times... You know, God is going to work the way he works within the confines of scripture, those things which are lawful, but it's not going to be the same way every time. I agree with that. Yeah. A passage that came to mind as we're discussing, and this actually is something I would like perhaps Brother Tom, because he and I are more on the anti-pragmatic side, but in Acts 17, verse 2, um, they had went to the synagogue and it says, Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three Sabbath days and reasoned with them out of the scriptures. There was a sense that Paul had his manner in which he evangelized and he it was it was something he did in every city. He went to the synagogue and that was very practical strategic. and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as that verse comes to mind, it makes me maybe capable. <laughs> Although, again, I'm not a fan of pragmatism, but to me it does come down to am I being obedient to God? Did God lead in it? Okay, so know? my response to that is, what was Paul's mental approach? Mm-hmm. Now, I got to be really careful here, right? What was his What was his thinking? If his thinking was, I have to start a church in this city, and if I don't, I'm a failure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this. If it doesn't work, I'm gonna do something else. If it doesn't work, I'm gonna do something else. Or was his mental approach? God told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I have the opportunity to go into a Jewish synagogue and get up and speak because that's how our culture is. That's how the custom is. I'm going to take advantage of that to argue out of the Old Testament. Jesus is the Messiah. So he, I'm going to state, and I, don't, I think this is fair, that Paul's mental approach is I'm going to be obedient and preach the gospel mm-hmm. in, a, in a place I have a chance to, and I'm going to try to start a church. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't produce a church, I'm going to go preach the gospel somewhere else. And, and there's mm-hmm. evidence of that, right? He goes to Athens. Right. Right. I, I don't know for a fact he went to a synagogue in Athens, but it just makes sense. He tried, but he couldn't. He failed to start a church there. There are other, there are other places that come to mind about that. So if Paul's mindset was pragmatic, he would have, okay, started with a synagogue approach. And in cities where that didn't work, he would have, he, he would have had a guy jump 
a bunch of buses with a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a really unfair characterization because yeah, I'm not against promotion. But I'm here, not against, here's but the thing. Do you understand though, what I'm saying? Yeah. Paul, Paul's the, the 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 answer is what is Paul's intent? His intent mm. is not necessarily to build the biggest church. His intent is to obey God. Yes. But I think and he the, was conscious. You know, when he went to the Jews, he started with Abraham. When he went to the Gentiles, he started with creation and the unknown God. And and so I think. Uh, that's you know. fair. That's fair. And so, yeah, and so I think it's, it's it's all within the confines of what is absolutely right, what is right for me, and you know I think what we need, you know I say we, I think all of us is not questioning somebody else's intent if it's within right and wrong. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, but something bears noting here, and that is as conservative, independent, fundamental Baptists as we are, I think sometimes we act like pragmatism is only something the lefties do, you know, with oh, no. their... You're, you're I, on the right I, track. I, I, I do sorry. think, I mean, no, yeah. I, I think yeah. that's the mentality, though, is that we just look at it as, you know, they're doing these Christian rock concerts and they're, try, you know, they're they're dipping the sail to reach people, but that's not all that pragmatism is. Correct. Pragmatism is swallowing the goldfish, jumping the bus, right. which is, you know... And I'm not saying every why, time why you do it, something like that, that's why pragmatism. is it so many of my peers? I went to Howells Anderson College in the 90s, graduated in 95. How come so many of my peers, peers now pastor contemporary evangelical churches? Right. Because they were steeped in an independent Baptist form of pragmatism. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what they that's what they were taught was that we have to to be successful. You have to build a big church. Well, now you can't do it the way Jack Hiles did it. So now we're just going to find a different way to do it. And that pragmat, yeah, it, it was old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist, you know, preached the devil out of people at pastor school, but it's still pragmatism. And what does it produce 20 years down the road? The left problem. There's so the left of, problem yeah. comes. Right. I'm not defending problem. one an institution here, but there's a, there's a bit of an individual responsibility that is also needs to be brought here. Like the, the individual has to, okay, I, I mean, I went to a college where we had bus routes, we did promotions. We I still remember because the issue that we were facing was we didn't want, um, on our bus route, we didn't want kids repeating a prayer mm-hmm. at, just for stats. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, bus captains would always have this like little, you know, back and forth, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, are you really, uh, did you really knock that many doors? Did you really have that many? And so there was always this kind of like banter. I remember we did a promotion where we led a bunch of people to the Lord and I was adamant with our workers. I was a, I was a senior. I was the captain of a route that year for the first time. And I said, no one gets put on that piece of paper who is not thoroughly dealt with. Mm-hmm. And we thoroughly dealt with a lot of people. Now, I, I mm. still can't say whether all of them got saved, but I know that we did what we were supposed to do. We were obedient within a system that was built to kind of draw people for this big day. It was Pumpkin Sunday. I still remember it. Does that make sense? So how do we avoid the ditches? Right. Oh, that's that's a good, that, yeah. So that, that's the point. How do we avoid it? How do we avoid it? The, the answer, you know, is, is the heart. Mm-hmm. That's what we've been. I think that's what we've come to. It's, it's, it boils down to your intent, your why, your heart. And that doesn't mean that that makes anything up for grabs, because like you said, within the context of some things. Yeah. But it does mean that um, that I can look around and I can pick up an idea from Martin's Auditorium and, and use it in my construction. I can pick up an idea from Steve's ministry and say, man, that's a great resource. I can look at Tom's books and say, you know what, let me get some of those because I may need to give those to some people in our church one day, freed from sin or, or whatever. I'm not being pragmatic. I'm recognizing that, okay, there may be need for this and I've got my eyes wide open and I'm listening. And I'm, and I'm also on the other side of it, 
dealing with God in my heart because I know that Tom is not going to give an account for my church. Amen. And Steve is not right. going to give an account for Amen. my church. And I'm not going to be perfect, but bless God, I am going to go get some ideas and I am going to use some ideas as long as I feel the liberty to do so and the peace of God to do so. <laughs> I will I will just add, it is the heart but it's the mind of God. Well, it's the scripture. You, you've got to have It's the scripture God's first. Mind. We do have to base it on truth. Yeah. So you can't go outside of scripture, and I think a lot of people do, but right. but it, you, you're right. You have to have God's mind. Where do we get God's mind? And I like the way you phrased it. Sorry to answer your question. The Bible. That part? <laughs> no. At the beginning, though, and I don't know whether you, you coined a phrase that's going to become famous and you need to write a book and have you know conferences on it. <laughs> Probably not. I Googled it, but I couldn't find it. But you said about being, you can be out of the box, but in the book. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of looking at it. You can be creative out of the box, but in the book. David served his generation. Mm-hmm. He did. And there's some things about my generation. I'm not going to compromise to serve them, but I, I'm going to recognize. Right. It's a matter of the heart. You know. I, I, think, I think it comes back to Christ. He becomes my model for mm-hmm. ministry. And, and I'm convinced that Jesus' model was not what is going to get me the biggest result. I'm convinced yeah. Jesus' model was I'm going to please the Father. Right. And that's what glorifies him. And this and is a, a random question based on that statement. But do you ever wonder if if all of those people who followed him around the lake that day and they wanted they wanted to get their bellies filled again, do you ever wonder why he healed them in the first place? Why he did those he miracles did, he in the He did first some place? miracles as signs of his yeah. authenticity. Mm. He did some miracles out of sheer compassion. Yeah. Sometimes you can't tell which is which. Yeah. It was it's just an interesting thought, like you know, he did, he did all this and then they come and say, Hey, we want to, we want to do this again. And he goes, you just came to get your bellies filled. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, that's, that's fascinating. That whole interplay yeah. of here, you know, I came to be Israel's King. Okay. Be our King. And he says, no, I also well, think that Jesus example supersedes all generational, um, yeah. of uh, you know, right. little eccentricities and all that. It, it, it's so like, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah. No matter what time well, without end, you know, I think it's interesting though, that with some blind people, he said, you know, he spoke the word and they were healed. But others, he touched their he, eyes. He touched them. He he made clay, spat into the mud, rubbed it on their eyes. Yeah. And it, it seems like, to a degree, within the confines of Scripture, he met people where they were at. And right. I just wondered if there is kind of it, it sets up a model for us to follow. Again, obedience is always primary. I'm not not disagreeing no, with I'm that. Sure. And one of the I things think, that I, one of the reasons I push back against pragmatism, just one of them, but is. You know, I, I told that Mary and Martha application, the many and the one, is if you buy into pragmatism, you can find yourself trying to be someone you're not thinking that's what, quote, works. I, I went through a stage in my ministry where Paul Chapel's influence on my life was great. And I had went out to leadership conference and I spent about three years trying to be Paul Chapel, which was pretty much misery. And I, I heard a message preached. It was actually Brother Sam Davison. He talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, God gave several ability, and that word several is the Greek word idios, where we get the word idiom from, and also the word idiot from, meaning a unique or separate. God gives us our separate and unique abilities and how he gifts us. And I remember Brother Davison in the message, he's like, you know, we're idiots, you know, we're, you know, we're all different. We're all unique and we got to be what God called us to be. And I came home, I'll never forget it. And my wife's like, how was the preacher's meeting? I said, it's awesome. She goes, what'd you learn? I said, I learned I'm an idiot. Yeah. And uh, she said, well, amen, about time you figured that out. But, um, and I said, no, that's, I said, I found out I'm not Paul Chapel. And she said, it's about time you figured that out because 
God didn't call Paul Chapel to reach Springfield to reach Springfield, Missouri. He called him to reach Lancaster, California. God no, he didn't. Called he called me. him to preach the gospel in Lancaster, California. Yes, thank you, Tom. Sorry, no, well, that's so a what, good distinction. I you taught me something. I I, I like that distinction. So but, what you're saying is that you tried a lot of different ideas until you found the one that worked. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that at okay. all. Okay, uh, you found the you found the right biblical principle. No, no, this no, is, you're, you're right. I am agreeing with you. We can't try and be who we're not. Anyway. I'm sorry, Martin. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Well, I think we probably need to wrap it up. The whole conversation is good because it just illustrates the tension and the the natural like wrestling that and the we have tentacles with this. in which. Prag- t- You're alliterating against so Steve. Much. So this, is, this is why conversations so like this effective. are so helpful. I, right. I don't know if they are yeah. to our listeners. I hope they are. Yeah. But for me, I really like this exchange of, of it pushes yeah. me to define it's what sharpening. I think and why I think it. Yeah, it's sharpening. sharpening. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that we all fall in different places on this. Um, I think that we all maybe question other people uh, sometimes on this, where sometimes we should and sometimes we shouldn't. I think, though, that we agree on on the on one thing especially in this in this group and that is that the ultimate goal is for god to be glorified and we can never get away from that we can't we can't build our ministries and our kingdoms because when we're building our kingdoms it it, it often ends up not being for god it ends up being for us and so Amen. so we uh, we have liberty but we've got to also we've also got to have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom with that. I think uh, today's topic is a great one for Tom to close out with a letter to the church. Dear church, pragmatism. Is it doing what is practically effective and thus increasing our usefulness or is it a slippery slope that eventually embraces any means in order to obtain the desired result? The answer is yes. The simple truth is pragmatism is mostly a matter of the heart. Why you do what you do is more important than what you do. Why is that? Because your purpose reveals your destination. If your purpose in ministering to others is to help them, to edify them, to obey the Lord, and to glorify Him, that purpose will almost always keep your ministering within scriptural channels. But when your purpose is to produce some intended result, to accomplish something, that purpose inevitably drives you outside the will of God. The scriptural emphasis is clear and repeated. Obedience is our task, results are God's. Pragmatism is birthed when we get that scriptural emphasis out of order. Man's wisdom becomes elevated in an increasingly desperate attempt to obtain the desired result. Pragmatism dies when we focus on simply obeying the Lord. In this, Jesus Christ is both the goal and the example. The outstanding characteristic of his life is that he always did what his father wanted. The results, from an earthly perspective, often seem subpar at the moment, but the initial visible results were not the goal. His purpose was to please his Father. May that be your purpose and mine. We affectionately remain your servants, Tom Brennan, Steve Brudneck, Martin Wickens, and Stephen Russ.